earlier in the in the service, uh, I had Nate, Pastor Nate, our digital kids pastor. Uh, he helped me sing a song. Our God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And I and I made a little comment that that's not entirely true. And before you think I'm just you know preaching heresy and the coronavirus has gotten to my head and my brain and you know fried everything in there, that's not true. That happened last year with meningitis. But anyway, uh, there are things that God cannot do. And again, this isn't heretical. This isn't false prophecy, false false preaching. I think many of you are probably already thinking of some things as you think, oh, that's kind of a trick question. Uh, but there are some things that God cannot do. So go ahead and just shout them out. Uh, what are some things that you think God cannot do? Go ahead. I'll give you a couple seconds to shout them out. Uh, put them online uh, in the comment section. What are some things you think God cannot do? Go. All right, you got them? Very good. I'll check it later just to make sure that you posted some things. Uh, one thing that God cannot do, I'm going to list a couple things here quickly this morning, but one thing that God cannot do is he cannot lie. So if you put that in the comments, if you said that, if you're watching together, good job for you, kudos for you. Uh, you get a gold star, um, go raid your pantry and get some more snacks right now, get some coffee, whatever. God cannot lie. Here's what I mean. It's against his nature to lie because God is the embodiment of truth. Everything about him is truth. Uh, if, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 18, it even says that it is impossible for God to lie. It is against his nature. It goes against his nature to lie. He cannot lie. So that's one thing that God cannot do. Another thing that God cannot do, God cannot sin. God is the embodiment of holiness, and we are trying to, if you're a Christian, if you're saved, if you're a child of God, to be holy, to be Christ-like. Holiness and sin do not go with one another. They're in conflict with one another. So God cannot sin. That is against his nature. God also cannot cease being God. And I'm thankful for this one. You think about... Um, all the, the circumstances that have changed in our world over the past couple of weeks. You think about all of the craziness, uh, and, and not just in Texas, in our, in our country, in America, but all over the world uh, with COVID-19 and this outbreak and, and really shutting a lot of things down. And, and again, I, I understand you're trying to keep people safe because you know they're saying it's a very contagious disease and if people catch it with bad immune systems, it could really kill them. And, and we want to be safe and we want to protect people. And again, that's why we're not gathering together and that's why we're trying to gather digitally. I understand that. But God cannot cease being God. What I mean is that um, the, the same God that we served and worshiped yesterday is the same God we serve and worship today. And the same God will serve and worship tomorrow. Even though around us circumstances have changed from yesterday to today or from last week to today or might even change what's going to happen tomorrow, God cannot change and God does not change and I'm about to knock my stand over and, and uh, knock my water and all that kind of stuff over as well. But God cannot cease being God. That's the point I'm trying to make. But another thing God cannot do, and this is kind of setting the message up this morning, God cannot be second. God must always be first. You know, we've talked about 
God being sovereign, which means he is in control. God is in control over nature. He's in control over all things. And, and God must be preeminent. He must have the preeminency in our lives, which means he must take first place. You know, for some people, they're, they're striving to be first place in, in all areas of life, and they're striving for excellence. That's one thing we're trying to do at a, as Eagle Drive Baptist Church, as a church. We're, we're trying to strive for excellence. We're not trying to, to, to necessarily just be the best of the best and, and be first place among all the churches. We're just trying to strive for excellence as best we can. We know that we're going to make mistakes. We know that we're going we're gonna to trip up and, and fail, and we get that. I understand that. And that's happened even the past week and a half with all this craziness. We've, we've made some mistakes that, that we thought we had figured out and planned and it didn't go according to our plans. And, and, and I get that. I understand that. But God cannot be second. God must always be first. You know, many today acknowledge God, but they don't place God in the position of preeminence that he deserves. They don't make him first. And what I'm talking about in this, this position of first is really the, the primacy of God. We talked about the preeminence, but the primacy of God. I, I like this quote that I read earlier this week from, from Dr. Tony Evans. He says, you cannot skip God and expect to win in life. God should be first in your thoughts, first in your heart, first in your priorities, first in your choices. And I say all that to say this. Remember, in this series, we're talking about entrusted. Entrusted is about stewardship. And again, sometimes people hear the word stewardship and again, oh, it's just about money. We're going to get to that more than likely probably after Easter. We'll have a couple lessons concerning that, exactly what God wants us to do with our money and and the, the treasures that he has given us. And there's some very important lessons that we'll look at in the coming weeks concerning that. But as you've already seen, I've hit on money, and I've talked a little bit about money, but it's, it's so much more than money, isn't it? Stewardship is about our life in general. And stewardship is understanding that God is in control, that God is the owner. And since God is the owner, that makes us what? The steward. A steward is a manager. A manager is not the owner. And it's very easy today in our society to look at ourselves and to think of ourselves as the owner. But when you start acting like the owner, when you start believing yourself to be the owner, uh, you're in for a whirl, whirlwind of, of hurt, of pain. And before I go on, again, this is, this is crazy times, I've got to turn the air on in here because it's starting to get very, very warm. So just give me one second. Okay, I'm back. Had to turn the air on. It was starting to get warm and stuffy. I'd be sweating. You guys think I need to go to the hospital because something is wrong. It's not. It's just it was starting to really crank up in here and get pretty warm in here. But we have to place God as first place in our lives because he is the owner. It's all about God. As we said in Psalm chapter 24, uh, verse number one, let me, let me read it just so I don't mess up. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. It's all about God. God has entrusted us as his children, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian today, to be his manager, to be his steward. He's entrusted us with a very important job, and, and I want you to get this, and I want you to understand 
He's entrusted us with the very important job of being second. And some people don't like hearing that. Because in their mind, they're striving to be first. The best of the best. The best in their workplace. The best uh, in their school situation. And I'm not saying you shouldn't strive to do your best and be the best. But I think sometimes in our striving to be the best, we usurp the one that is truly in first place. Because we think it's all about us. When it's not, and it's all about God. God has placed us here as stewards to manage the resources he has given us. He has entrusted us. And, and before I really get into the notes section this morning, I think it's in our notes, and we'll probably have a screen for this as well this morning, but if you relegate God to anything less than first, you have removed him from the primacy of active involvement in your life. If you relegate God to anything less than first, you have removed him from the primacy of active involvement in your life. Look again, God desires to be first place. He wants to be first in all of our lives, but especially in two important areas that we're going to look at this morning, our trust and our praise. You know, I don't know about you all, but you know, this has been a trying week for me, as I already alluded to it. You know, some things, some plans that we had uh, as a church staff, as our team. We were trying to figure some things out and trying to get some, some good video and good content out there for you. And we've been playing around with some different online streaming platforms and trying to figure them all out. Just haven't gone according to our plans, haven't gone the way that we envisioned them going. I think we finally started realizing some things and understanding some more. It's, it's been a very daunting week just doing tons of research on, on these different online platforms so we can you know, broadcast and make sure it's the best quality and, and broadcast it to multiple platforms. And again, we're going to be unrolling or unveiling something here in the, in the coming weeks uh, to try to send everyone to just one platform uh, to where you can watch the online services and you can share it through Facebook and, and YouTube and things like that. But it's been a trying week for me. You know, the gathering in person has been taken away and, you know, it's, that's, that's been difficult. You know, I don't necessarily like just preaching to a camera. I don't like just preaching to myself, I feel like. But I want to see your faces, and I want to, I want to be together in person. But, again, we, we can't right now. You know, but, again, as I said earlier in this message, Amanda reminded me of something uh, on Thursday, I think it was, uh, just some things that God was showing her and some things that she's been reminded of that we need to focus on. And, you know, she had talked about, uh, I can't remember if it was for March or for February. You know, I, I'd sit back in January. Uh, one of the themes for us for this year is obviously impact, to make an impact, uh, to turn the world upside down. Really, we have an opportunity, a, an amazing opportunity to truly make an impact for God, even in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of these crises, in the midst of these uncertain days. But another thing I said, it was kind of the underlying theme for our church this year, is this. I want you all to learn to lose control. Now, how many feel like you've learned to lose control? <laughs> Some of us probably like, yep, my life is completely out of control. But I'm not just saying that everything's out of control because of the chaos. What I'm talking about is, and I think that's what Amanda's theme was for one of these months, and she was saying that I'm trying to learn to just lose control. I'm trying to learn to give up control of my life, of my circumstances, of, of my day, 
and give it to God because he is the only one that is truly in control. And as she's talking about this and some other things that she was sharing, I mean, it's, it's around 10 o'clock, I think, on Thursday night, and all of a sudden, like, the wheels start, started turning and spinning, and, and I thought of Psalm chapter 57, and so I was like, I got to go to the office. I got to go to church, and I got to go study, um, go to bed, go to sleep. I'll lock the doors. I'll see you later. Uh, I'll be home when I'm done. And sure enough, I did. I think I got home. It was close to 1 o'clock in the morning. I finished it all. I believe it's what God gave me for this week. But just one little side note. I don't know I'm kind of going off rabbit trails right now. But, you know, church at, at night, like super late, can be a very scary place. Uh, you hear all these noises, and you all of a sudden start freaking out. You know, I was in the midst of like a, a good time of, uh, of worship and prayer and study, and all of a sudden I heard these noises, and I'm like, oh, man, someone's here. And it's like 1130 at night, I think, at that time. I'm like, someone's here. I don't have a gun. All I've got is a couple of golf clubs in my office, so I'm just going to go and, and just swing at them. I almost locked the door because, you know, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. But I think it was those, I don't know what they're called, those, those big gnats, flies, horse flies, whatever they are, you know, just all over the building and all over the hallways in the back flying into everything. So I think the army of them that were there just sounded like, you know, people and all that kind of stuff or someone was in the building. Um, but anyway, I, I had to realize, okay, God's in control. God's in control. God's in control. I wasn't necessarily sitting in my office, you know, cradled. God's in control. God's in control. I wasn't doing that, but uh, I was like, you know what? God's, God's got me. He's got this. It's all good. But anyway, I couldn't help but think of Psalm chapter 57. And go ahead and look at verse number one. We'll, we'll go ahead and, th- <coughs> excuse me, we'll throw up it on the screen uh, for you at home so you can follow along with this in, your, in the Bible. But the Bible says this, be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me. Now, this is a Psalm of David. I'll, I'll give a backstory quickly here in just a second. But David is saying, be merciful unto me. Be merciful unto me. Or sorry, be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. Now, I want to talk about that verse in more uh, in fullness and in depth here in just a second. But I think of that last phrase. And if you're in the habit of marking, circling, underlining things in your Bible, uh, just underline that last phrase. I've, I've got an underline in my Bible. Until these calamities be overpassed. You know, in thinking of this psalm in reference to, to my own conversation with Amanda on Thursday, it's easy to relate this, this psalm, to what is going on in the world and in our nation right now. You know, I've said it before, and these times are very uncertain, and I pray that they get resolved quickly. I don't know if they will, but I pray that they get resolved quickly, and and I believe they will at some point, but right now, this is the new reality that we're facing. You know, we live in an ever-changing world of uncertainty. It's unprecedented, and this verse rings out so loud to me. Now, David's calamities weren't the same as ours today. He wasn't facing COVID-19. He wasn't facing a virus. But he was facing calamities. He was facing chaos. He was facing storms. Uh, David's popularity had risen ever since he was a teenage boy, uh, been anointed by Saul, or not Saul, by Samuel uh, to be the next king of Israel. Saul didn't like that because he was the king of Israel. Uh, David had fought off Goliath and, and really uh, through David's military career uh, just was an amazing military general. Amazing military leader. So his popularity had just grown and, and doubled and, and magnified, and, and Saul didn't like that. And at this point, Saul is out pursuing David and his men, and, 
and Saul wants nothing more than to kill David. He's trying to end his life because he doesn't like the threat that David is bringing upon himself and upon his kingdom. And the word calamities here means this, a destructive storm that could engulf me. A destructive storm that could engulf me. And I'm not trying to to make this passage say something that it's not, but I'm trying to make a very important application for us this morning. You know, David is obviously in danger. He's in danger for his life. And in a sense, he has to make a mandate upon his own life. You know, right now, some of our governors and and mayors are are making mandates in in our cities and towns and states, and our president is making mandates, our guidelines for what we're supposed to do, and we have some of these states and cities that are enacting these shelter-in-place, you know, trying to encourage us to stay home so that we can uh, keep the, the outbreak at bay and kind of flatten the curve, as they've been saying. And in a sense, David is kind of mandated upon himself as a shelter in place. And what I mean is he is searching for shelter. He is searching for safety. And the place he, he, he tries to find shelter and tries to find safety is in a cave. Now, those that have ever been in a cave, you understand that caves are uh, pretty awesome experiences, but they're also pretty terrifying experiences as well. You know, you shine some light on in the cave and you see some of the, uh, just the amazing uh, uh, formations that are, that are within the cave and even some of the amazing creatures that you don't necessarily want to want to meet within the cave, but uh, it's also a very terrifying place. But David is, is in the cave of Adullam, and I think he's going to go later to the cave of uh, Injai, or I'm, I'm sure I said that wrong, uh, but um, he, he's hiding. He's hiding from Saul because he's afraid for his life, and, and Saul is out there to kill him. And again, I, I want you to understand something, and I'm going somewhere with this this morning, so stay with me here. We're talking about stewardship, and David as, as we are today, he is, David is a steward of God. And again, remember, a steward is someone that has been entrusted with the life, the resources that God has given them to manage. What David was learning to steward was aspects of his testimony. You know, think about it. I, I think about my own life. If, if someone were out to attack me, I probably wouldn't remain calm. But David is learning to try to steward, to properly manage his testimony, his actions, uh, what he does in the midst of the chaos. So think about it today. Think about the, the chaos that is in our world and, and some of the uncertainty that, that we are facing. I think it's very important for us to learn to steward our actions, to steward our testimony, to, to be who God has called us to be. Again, these were difficult times for David. He had been anointed by God, excuse me, through Samuel to be the king when he was just a teenager, but things weren't looking too promising at this moment. And the easy thing to do for many of us is to resort to complaining, to grumbling, to disbelief, discontentment, a lack of joy, lack of vision for the things of God. Uh, it can be easy for us in these times of chaos and uncertainty and um, when it feels like the calamities, the storms are raging around us, it, it's very easy for us to, uh, 
um, fall back into complacency, especially because right now we're not meeting together. And I know the easy thing right now is to just mute me, turn me off. I'll watch them later when I have time. You have time right now. Right now, all we have is nothing but time. But for the next few minutes, we're going to unpack two main priorities in this psalm and several principles that we must learn to do in times of uncertainty. And really the message today is this, stewarding through the chaos. Again, David is a steward of God. He's a steward of the resources, his testimony, his time, his treasure. And I think Amanda might even have hit on some of those aspects in her ladies' Bible study. And I think even this week, it's, it's amazing how God has drawn this together. I, I think I was reading some of her notes, and, and she was talking about stewarding through the trials in her ladies' Bible study. And in a sense, this is going to go uh, kind of piggyback onto that. But we're going to try to steward through the chaos And here's the key truth, and we'll throw this up there this morning for you. But God's glory, listen to me, God's glory should be the aim for our lives, especially in times of uncertainty and chaos. Let me say that again. God's glory should be the aim for our lives, especially in times of uncertainty and in chaos. So what do we learn from David this morning? What do we learn from this cave experience where the storms seem to be getting larger and larger outside? You know, the bigger your problem, you got to think about it this way. The greater the opportunity there is for God to be glorified. As I said, the key truth that we're trying to unpack this morning is the fact that God's glory should be the aim of our lives. And even right now, think about what's going on, COVID-19 and, and this uncertainty and the chaos around us. God's glory should still be the aim for your life. You might not be able to get out. You might not be able to do much, but you can still give God glory. And we, we briefly mentioned that last Sunday of, you know, God has called us to steward his glory, to steward his grace, and to steward the gospel specifically as we hit on last Sunday morning. But God's aim should be, or our aim should be God's glory. In church, in these moments of uncertainty, in these moments of chaos where biblical stewards should rise up and properly steward what God has entrusted us to manage. So that's what I want to focus on. And we're going to look at it in, this, in the sense of chaos. So here's the first point that we see this morning, verses 1 through 6. Chaos teaches us to trust. Chaos teaches us to trust. Look at verse number one with me in Psalm chapter 57. Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me. For my soul trusteth, there's that word trust, trusteth in thee. Look, look, the the storm, the proverbial storm is raging around David. He's not sure if his life is going to be taken or not. Uh, God had uh, anointed him through Samuel to be the next king, and I'm sure he's he's probably wondering, God, is this actually going to happen? Is 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 it actually going to take place, or am I going to lose my life? You see, we have to trust in God because God doesn't change; uh, His promises do not change. He doesn't lie. Uh, he is who He says He is, and and even in this chaos, in the uncertainty that is going on around us, church, we still must trust God. We must trust that God is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. So he says, and it's really, this is a prayer from David. Lord, my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. 
my, my shelter in place until these calamities be overpassed. Verse 2, we'll read these six verses. I will cry unto God most high, unto the God that performeth all things for me. He shall sin from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up, Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me in the midst of whereof they are fallen themselves, Selah. And the first principle is that chaos teaches us to trust. Trust means confidence. It means a reliance or resting of the mind, of the integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, or other sound principles of another person. When David says, my soul trusteth in thee, here's what he's saying. I am willing God to be obedient. You see, true trust is always backed by true obedience. True trust is always backed by true obedience. And even in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of uncertainty, we should still trust God because God is in control. And as I said at the very beginning, one thing that God cannot do is be second Yet how often in our lives, in times of chaos and uncertainty, do we relegate him to a position of second or third or far down the list? Because, oh, I can't trust God. There's, there's too much uncertainty out there. Well, that's the exact time that you have to trust God. That's the exact time that you need to, to stand up, to rise up, to be the church, to be who God has called you to be. And there's three important principles in this, this first main point that we see this morning. That chaos teaches us to trust. And the first thing is this. Listen to me. Trust involves a couple things. First of all, it involves reliance. If you're taking notes, jot that down, please. Trust involves reliance. As he says in verse number one, he is going to his refuge. And who is his refuge, church? It's God. Look, David was a valiant warrior. He had won many battles and had done some great things, but at this moment, he is not trusting in himself, is he? He's in the cave. And instead, he's trusting in his God. The same God that David trusted in oh, three, 4,000 years ago is the same God that we can trust in today amidst all of this. You see, David is taking shelter and refuge and safety in God. And he uses a picture of baby chicks, uh, which take refuge under their mother's wings when a predator comes to threaten him. And we can say that the predator today that might be threatening us is, it's not necessarily the government, but it might be this virus. And again, my, people might be very scared of it and afraid that they might catch it and afraid that they might lose their life or afraid a loved one might lose their life. And Honestly, and I'm not trying to uh, put it off today, but that may happen. But we still have to trust in God. We still have to realize that God is in control. And he knows that this is happening, that he knew this was going to happen when he formed the earth so many thousands of years ago. You see, David is learning where his reliance rests in. Verse number one, it says, In the shadow of thy wings... 
will I make my refuge? You see, he's not relying on himself, is he? He's fully relying on God. And chaos should teach us to trust. And the thing we learn about trust is trust involves reliance. The second thing about trust is this. Verses 2 and 3, trust involves prayer. Really, this passage is a passage of prayer from David. Verse number 2, I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall sin from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up, Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. Here's what David is saying. God, I'm going to pour out my heart to you. God, I'm going to cry out to you. God, I'm praying to you in my trouble, in my distress. And David is using the imagery of God reaching down from heaven to save him from the one who tramples him. David needs help. He needs God to intervene on his behalf. And here's what he's saying. God, I'm going to trust that you'll protect me. You see, trust involves reliance, but it involves prayer. We still have to pray to God. And I know many people are probably praying to God. But it's not just in times of chaos. It's all the time. As it says in, in the New Testament, we should rejoice evermore and pray without ceasing. We should always, always be in a spirit of prayer. But David is saying, God, I need you. He needs help. He needs God to intervene on his behalf because he realizes that, in a sense, he's second. He's not in control. So he's turning to the only one that is in control. God, I'm trusting that you'll protect me. I'm trusting that you'll deliver me. So trust involves reliance. It involves prayer. But the third thing that trust involves is this, and this is important. Trust involves seeing God as greater than my problems. Trust involves a seeing God greater than my problems. Verses four through six, my soul is among lions. He's using this imagery, this picture here. And I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me. Lord, they have set up snares and traps and they're trying to entrap me uh, and, and cause me to fall. Lost my place. There it is. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen. Selah. Trust involves reliance and involves prayer, but it involves seeing God as greater than our problems. You know, I just said this, but do you think that COVID-19 surprised God? No. Because God is still in control. And even if they take more freedom away from us, listen to me, church. Even if they take more freedom away from us, we still must realize that God is greater than our problems. He's greater than this virus. <laughs> He's greater than our enemies. And even though we can't meet together in person, we can still gather together through technology and still study God's word and hear from God. And I'm thankful for that. You know, 40, 50 years ago, we didn't have this technology. 
We'd be in a world, a world mess. It'd be a huge mess and, and crisis for, for preachers and ministry leaders, but, but we have the technology. We have the resources today. And we have to realize that our trust in God sees God as greater than our problems. What problems do you have today? You don't have to post it in the comments, but what problems do you have? What problems are you struggling with? Are you, are you struggling with your marriage? Are you struggling with your family, with your kids, not obeying, listening? Jump in line. Are you struggling with where you're going to find money because of the uncertainty, the, the chaos? I know the stimulus package has been passed, and you know hopefully many of us will, will be able to get some help with that, but I'm sure many of you are probably freaking out a little bit, wondering how we're going to pay for things, how we're going to find more toilet paper, how we're, how we're going to pay for groceries and, and necessities. But we have to realize that if I'm truly trusting in God, that even in the midst of chaos, that my trust in God as that primacy position of first place in my life, understanding that God is the owner, I am just the steward. If we understand that, then we will see God as bigger than and greater than our problems. So church, do you? Do you see God as greater than your problems? In the midst of the arrows of uncertainty, something happens. It's pretty amazing here. I want to point out very quickly. You know, it seems like some of these verses are kind of out of place, verse 5 especially. But I think verse 5 is exactly where it needs to be. It's, again, David crying out to God. And, and here's what I believe that David is doing here. And it's really powerful. You see, during the chaos, David sees something powerful. He realizes that God is bigger than his problems. And that's what I'm challenging you this morning to realize that God is bigger than COVID-19, that God is bigger than the chaos, the uncertainty. And again, this, this will pass, and there will be another problem that's greater than this someday. But God is bigger than all of them. So the first thing that we see is that chaos teaches us or should teach us to trust. And the second thing that we learn from this Psalm of David as he's in the cave, this uncertainty, uh, this trying, this difficult time, chaos teaches us to trust. But second thing and finally is this, chaos teaches us to praise. You see, this is just a challenging and encouraging message this morning as I'm trying to do. And again, I know there's all kinds of uncertainty and unpredictability out there, but I'm just trying to encourage you this morning, church family, as your pastor that chaos should teach us to praise. Did you realize that circumstances change? <laughs> Duh, right? But one thing that God cannot do is change. And David turns his chaos into a moment of trust and prayer followed by a moment of praise. Oh, man, this is so good. In the midst of the cave, in the midst of the calamities that are surrounding him, He's not focused on himself. Let me, let me get into the camera here this morning. Who is he focused on? He's focused on God. He's not focused on himself. He is not focused on his problems. He is shoving his problems to someone that is greater than him. Who is greater than him? God. 
And, and during this, he realizes that, you know what? It's okay because God's got me. And really, that's kind of what we need to say this morning. It's okay. God's got me. Go ahead and say that with me. Ready? Begin. It's okay. God's got me. And David begins to praise his God in the cave, in the chaos. Look what he says. <coughs> Excuse me. Look what he says in verse number seven. Let me get a drink. Verse number seven, he says, my heart is fixed. I just lost my place again. All right, there it is. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give what? Praise. You know what the word fixed means? It means steadfast. It means secure, fastened. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. And since it's steadfast, since it's anchored, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sing and I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you for who you are. We had a time of worship just a few minutes ago with our team and did an awesome job. And, and we're trying to, to find songs that are just truly worshipful and, and just, just love uh, the songs and the messages uh, that, that were sung uh, this morning. And we're going to do one here at the end of the service here in just a few minutes. But this is what David is saying. My heart is fixed. And, and since my heart is fixed, God, I'm going to sing and I'm going to give praise you see, the focus must always be on God no matter what is raging around us. It's, it's steadfast. His heart is steadfast. It's unmovable. It's fastened upon the Lord. He's saying, it doesn't matter what happens, Lord. It doesn't matter the difficulty. It doesn't matter the circumstances. It doesn't matter what's going on around me because my heart is fixed on thee. Circle that verse. Highlight that verse. Underline that verse. Memorize that verse. Say, Hey, God, my heart is fixed. Or God, please help me to have my heart fixed on you. To have my heart fastened and anchored and secured in you. Look, no matter the trouble, no matter the pain, no matter the heartache, no matter the, uh, what happens, we need to say that I'm going to worship God. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to praise the Lord at all times. Uh, I'm going to give thanks to God because God is sovereign. God is in control. So I'm going to learn to trust. And as I learn to trust, I am going to praise. Whew, that's good. Hopefully some of you guys are getting amped up and encouraged with this this morning. I know I am. It's encouraging me even as I had to stay late on Thursday going into Friday morning and, and was exhausted. But, man, this is good. And circle a couple words in verse number seven. My heart is fixed. Oh, God, my heart is fixed. Look at the next two words. It says, I will. It doesn't say I might. It doesn't say I need to. It says what? I will. <laughs> I will. I will praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. You want to know how you can steward through the chaos? Have an I will attitude. I will worship. I will still serve. I will still give. I will still go. I will still be. I will still do what God has called me to do. I will praise. I will worship. I will bless the Lord And I think I forgot to mention this, but praise is a matter of intentional focus. Praise is a matter of intentional focus. 
David was intentionally focusing on God. His heart was fixed. And then finally, not only does chaos turn to praise and lead to praise and teach us to praise, and it's a matter of intentional focus, but listen, praise is testifying to others of God's goodness. I love that song, The Goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. And what we need to do is take the words from that song and, and, and make, it a, uh, make it come out of our hearts and our lives and our minds and our mouths. And Lord, I'm going to sing of your goodness. I'm going to testify of your goodness. I'm going to sing of the goodness of God because God, you are good. Even in the chaos. And that's one thing that so many things that have happened in my life have taught me and I go back to 2019 and it was a difficult year in many aspects, but 2019 again was a reminder of God's goodness. And 2020 is yet another reminder of God's goodness. All my life, all your life, God has been faithful because he doesn't change and he will not change. Not only is David singing among his own people, but he's also singing among the nations. Look at this prayer of praise in verse number 9 through 11 as we close out this morning. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations, for thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. God, I want you to be exalted among the nations. And that should be our testimony. That should be our praise to proclaim the goodness of God to those that don't know it. And this is an awesome opportunity, a simple thing. And I think I talked about it last week. A simple thing you can do right now and proclaim the goodness of God is to share this message. If you're on Facebook, if you're on YouTube, whatever platform you're on, hit the share button. Share it to your friends, to your family, to your page so that others can, can hear this encouragement from God's word, from the mouth of David, that even in the midst of uncertainty and chaos and difficulty, we can still praise God and we can still exalt God among the nation. Look, church, this is what I want from us. I want us to rise up and be the church. Rise up and be the church because the church is not the building. This is just the building that we are able or we were able to meet. But the church is not the building The church is the people, has always been the people. And I think every pastor in the world is talking about that right now, (coughs) especially in America. The church isn't the building. The church is the people. So be the church. Be who God has called you to be. Sing forth his glory. Sing forth his praises. Look, David saw the chaos and he chose to trust and his trust turned to praise. And that's what we need to do this morning. We need to look at the chaos surrounding us And we need to choose to trust. Trust isn't just going to happen by chance. We must be deliberate about it, intentional about it. God, I choose to trust you. And God, since I'm choosing to trust you and I see that you are in control, that you are sovereign, I am going to turn my trust into a moment of praise. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Praise is all there is of me 
responding to all that I know of him. Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. If you want to biblically steward through the chaos, then you must learn to trust. Trust is only as good as its object. And a trustworthy object inspires trust. Then let your trust, once you trust, let your trust turn to praise. And the core truth, the key truth of this whole message is this. God's glory will always be the aim of a biblical steward, even in times of chaos and uncertainty. God's glory will always be the aim of a biblical steward, even in times of chaos and uncertainty. If you're here today, if you're watching online and You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want to encourage you to do that. You say, God, I, I'm not saved. God, I've never trusted you as my Savior. I've never asked you to forgive me of my sins. It's a simple thing that you could do. Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Please save me. And if you have made that decision, that very important decision, you made it just today and, and prayed that prayer and believed in God, then share it with us. But if you've already done that, then Live like God is in control. Allow God to have that primacy in your life, that preeminent position. Don't relegate him to second or third. Keep him at the top because God cannot be second. We were made to be second because we are the manager. A manager is not the owner. God is the owner. God's in control. And God's glory should be the aim of a biblical steward, even in the times of uncertainty and chaos.